Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Riddle me this. Will you need your hind feet in heaven? And tell me if you can. Will you be given the wings of an eagle so you can fly to heaven? Let's get this started with a kick, shall we?
welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune this April the 21st, 2018. Oh my goodness, is everybody nice and comfortable? Everybody lie on a bed of roses last night? I mean, surely the stock market's still over 24, right? Everything's good. Everything's nice and cozy. Holy cow! I mean, all we're waiting for is to, uh... I guess we're just all waiting to ascend the heights of heaven, right? I mean, I guess we're all going to be counted out, uh, 144,000 of us, and we're just going to march right on up to heaven and be with the Lamb, right? Revelation chapter 14. Oh my goodness, I can't wait for Obadiah to give us uh, our glorification, right? I mean, Lord have mercy. Everything's got to be going well. Ah, so... Well, let's get uh, Clinton in the seat and see how his week's uh, been going and uh, what's been catching his eye in the news. You know, it's uh, it's good to be back. You know, I took off last week, um, and, uh, you know, it was a very eventful week watching once everything happened over in Syria. And, you know, nothing has stopped over this last week. Um, it's just boiling over into more and more aspects. It's interesting that you brought up the, the stock market uh, because um, there's a lot of things going on that are kind of pointing us in a certain direction um, that, uh, the you know, the normal news in, uh, announcers and people on the news don't really want to tell you. So um, it's just all <laughs> all heading to, to a climax. Well, we have to fluff up the bed before we lie in it, right? I mean, I think. I think that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to fluff the bed up before you lie down in it. But, uh, <clears throat> well, Clinton, it's just, just amazing. Um, looking over the news this week, you know, if you know the right places to look. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess it's uncomfortable for most people. That's kind of like laying on a thorn. You know, that stuff kind of don't feel too good, but, well, um, I kind of had an eventful week. I have did some uh, posts this week. Um, let's see, I published uh, three posts this week. I tried to keep them under 700 words. The last one kind of got a little bit out of control, but uh, everybody should check them out. Um So, uh, so Clinton, um, let's go ahead and get you in the saddle, and uh, do your news diatribe. I'm sure you've got all kinds of nice, warm, fuzzy news to tell us. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm being a bit of a smart aleck. Um, my patience has kind of waxed thin with these people, Clinton, but uh, you have the mic. Well, it's, uh, you know... Having patience is not a virtue that we we have nowadays. Um, I mean, everyone's talking about the rapture this day, the rapture that day. I, I've heard that the 23rd is another day that the rapture is supposed to happen. I mean, how, how long are people going to hold on to this narrative before they start to say it's just like the Mayan calendar? 
You know, it's just like the dot-com bubble. It's just like, just like, just like, because that teaching just is like. And that's what we try to show you is the teachings that are being presented not only in the mass media, but also from the pulpit and from a lot of other places are not necessarily true. That is why we are told that there will be a massive deception that is upon the earth because there's lies everywhere. Lies absolutely everywhere. I mean, if you look at, you know, social media, if you look at Facebook, I mean, Facebook's been in the news nonstop for the last couple of weeks. And it's all about, you know, people saying, oh, well, my data was sold and they owe me money or they shouldn't have been making all this money off of my data. Do, do you really think that anything you put on the Internet is yours? Do you truly think that? No, it's a public domain. And as soon as you put it out there, yeah, they're going to use any information they can as a marketing topic or a way to market to you to manipulate you. That's what these Facebook has done. That is what these networks have done. And they openly have come out and said this. I mean, this is no secret. If you have thought logically at all about the Internet, you know this for a fact. I mean, if you watched what was going on with the interrogation, so-called, of Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook from Congress, it was, it was a joke. It was an absolute joke. Um, the disconnect between the Senate and the congressmen and the real people in the world, I would have to say the old senators and old congressmen and the younger generation, is completely blown out of proportion. They have no clue what they're talking about. Just to give you an example, one question that was asked by a senator was, on Facebook, when you send an email through WhatsApp, can Facebook track it? Well, WhatsApp, you send text messages, not even emails. So the question is irrelevant, and there's no way you can answer that because it's a stupid question. That is the kind of questions our leaders in Congress and Senate were asking about this whole Facebook thing. They have no clue what they're talking about. So how are they supposed to regulate it or control it if they have no idea what they are talking about? And that's the same thing when it comes to the economy. Most of them have no idea what's going on with the economy, so they just say whatever they want to be you know, heard, whatever they want to say. I mean, this, this whole thing with Facebook, it was interesting because one congressman came out and said, you know what? Mark Zuckerberg, you can go back to California. You can spend $10 million on lobbyists. And you can squash this, make it go away. Or we're asking you to do the right thing and to go back and try to change it and do the right thing. So what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Mark Zuckerberg made $3 billion talking to Congress because Facebook stock went up so much. And all he had to do was sit there and go, I don't know. I don't know. Your question doesn't make sense. I don't know. And the stock went up and he made $3 billion. And then to squash this whole thing that's going on in front of the Senate Congress, he just has to spend $10 million, and it goes away because he's going to pay off all those that do the voting. That's how our system works. And you can see that going on in Europe right now. I mean, he's bypassing the system in Europe to where basically he's making it to where people no longer have access to their stuff on Facebook, that they are – it's no longer their decision of what happens to it. And there's even reports that he's going to come out and say, if you want to use Facebook, you have to acknowledge that we are going to track you. So you just the little button, say, yes, I accept you to track me. And there, all this goes away for Facebook. 
and then they get to continue doing the exact same thing that they want to do. And if you don't click on it, you don't get to use it, plain and simple. <laughs> so, you know, what's going on at the Internet, I'm sorry, but that, there is no privacy. There is no control on your part of what you are putting on there or what they can do with it. And that just leads to this witch hunt that is starting to develop. And, and I'm not talking about people in power. No, no, no. They're going to do that witch hunt, and everyone's like, yeah, go get them. You know, this sex trafficking is horrible. Go get them. You know, oh, they shouldn't have had this abuse in the movie industry. Go get them. No, they're going to do it to everyone. I mean, those of you that, that go and actually look at the news stories and then read the comments, if you read those comments, you will be shocked on how hateful we have become, how disconnected from reality we have become, how racist we have become. I mean, it, it makes my blood boil reading what the average American or average world citizen is writing in these comments of these news stories and how they, can, how they believe that they can say whatever they want and how, it doesn't matter how evil it is, how filled of hate it is, how grotesque it is because it's on the Internet. And because, well, they can't be tracked, and we don't know who they are. And da, 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 da. No, they're going to track you down. They're going to find out what you said, and they're going to pin it on you because that's what's coming. If you, if you can't see that, then you are completely blind because that is what's coming. And those that have said those horrible comments that, that have gone on social media or gone on uh, the, the comments of these news stories and wrote these horrible comments – yeah, yeah, your time is coming because that is what their plan is. That is the ultimate plan of the Internet. That is the ultimate plan of these social media platforms. So control what you say. Make sure that what you say is legit and true and not filled of hate because that is going to come back on. And, I mean, we see I – mean, we, we talked on this broadcast you know, for, forever – uh, about the hate that is brewing in the world and how there's protests everywhere, how there's, you know, the, the rich versus the poor, how there's, you know, <laughs> the Palestinians versus Israel, how the teachers are against the state, how the cities are against the state, how the state is against the government, how everyone is divided. Everyone is full of hate. And it's going to continue. It's going to boil. And it's it's building to the point that, well, they're going to have to step in and do something because if they don't, then they're going to have horrible scenarios happening on a daily basis, which is, is happening everywhere. And this is, this is getting to where it's more in the public eye. And then the public is going to demand for things to change. That is, that's how they do it. So pay attention, watch what you say, be a good person. And this is going to get crazy for the average person that is saying these things. Now, to give you, you know, just a, a more of a um, focused broadcast of this, I mean, if you look at what's going on between Israel and Gaza, okay, you have average citizens on the, in the Gaza Strip that are sit there or have been pushed to the point of poverty, that have been 
protesting against Israel on the Israeli border for four weeks now. And, and they do this every Friday because, well, that's when people get off work. That's when they can do it. I mean, but unfortunately, it, it gets bloody every single time. I mean, the first time there were 17 people that were killed and 1,400 that were shot and injured. The next time there was, I think, another seven that were killed, another 350 that were injured. The, the time, the weekend after that, you know, it was, it was blown up because of the journalist that was shot in the back by the Israeli soldiers. And then yesterday, you know, there was another four that were killed, another 150 injured. And there was this this story of this, you know, Hamas, you know, engineer, bomb maker, whatever you want to call him. He was loyal to Hamas, and he was one of their brains, one of their, their premier people. And he was in Malaysia. Well, he was assassinated. He was shot down. And right away, Hamas came out and said, Israel, we know you did this because, well, you came out and said that you were going to – Start making your targets. You start to renew your target killings of Hamas leadership. Israel said that. And then they go out and they kill one of Hamas's leaders. And Israel justifies this saying that Hamas made a video, you know, and, and this video was so horrible. They, they showed in this video um, top, you know, Israeli officials um, and officers in the crosshairs. And so because they they made this video saying that they were going to shoot them. We, we got to retaliate and we got to take out one of their leaders. I mean, that's, <laughs> do, do you see where, where this is leading? This is, you know, there's been in the, in the circulated in the, you know, conspiracy world, you know, there's been, you know, the CDC officer that was missing and then found in the river. There was all these scientists that were killed. There was all these bankers that were killed. You know what I mean? The, the the conspiracy people have already been talking about this system. So here we see it in real life on something that is important for the whole world. Because right now Israel is the focus of the whole world. Syria is the focus of the whole world. And Hamas is the focus of the whole world. So you see how this system is impacting everything. Now when it comes to Hamas, um, you have two interesting things that happened this last week. You know, I mean, Egypt came out and, and said, you know, that they plan on having a meeting this Tuesday and that they want to meet with Hamas um, because they, they believe that these protests that are happening in Gaza are going to escalate and cause a, a war between Israel and, and the Palestinians. So Egypt wants to get in and they want to hear Hamas's side of the story. They want to hear the Palestinian side because they want to – work out some kind of deal or they want to help them or or we don't know the idea of the meeting but we know that the meeting happens on tuesday so egypt is getting involved in the peace process the other interesting thing is the european union they proposed to hamas and what they did is they said that if hamas is willing to not do any violence against israel for five years that they'll rebuild Gaza. You know, I mean, the, the UN Security General um, already came out earlier this year and said that Gaza will be uninhabitable by 2020. I mean, they just, Israel has suppressed them to the point that they will not, you can't live there because they've destroyed us so badly. And that was the ultimate plan is to bring the Palestinians to their knees to where they have no choice but to accept a peace treaty because otherwise they'll just die. 
And here the European Union actually came out and said, hey, if you stop right now, we'll pay to rebuild Gaza. And all you have to do is just not wage war or have any violence for five years. So, you know, we, we've talked about the Saudi prince and his hope towards peace treaty. We've talked about, you know, the United States and Trump, about his hope for a peace treaty. We have Egypt involved. We have the European Union involved. We have Russia that's already been working with Israel. Everyone in the whole world is focusing on a treaty in the Middle East, a treaty with Israel. You can see exactly where this is headed. Now, we also know that in this time, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, I mean, because that's what Christ told us. And, and you see, you know, what, what's happening with, you know, for instance, China and Taiwan this last week. You know, I mean, Trump was, was provocative enough to make a, 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 an executive order to increase travel between Taiwan and the United States and to actually make an agreement with the leader of Taiwan, which the United States said they would never do because they backed the one China platform that China believes Taiwan is their jewel. They believe that Taiwan is part of their country, and they will never relinquish that. Well, earlier this year, Trump broke that. I mean, <laughs> he just broke it. So China, this last week, they, they had these massive live fire drills, and, and they just were flying planes and, and drones around the island of Taiwan, just completely circling it, just saying, hey, we could take you out. Like, you're a little speck. You know, so don't mess with us and don't be doing anything with the United States because we could easily just take you out. I mean, Taiwan's uh, appealing to the world community saying, hey, they're, they're saber-rattling and see what they're doing. We don't like this. Well, it also came out this week that Australia had an issue with China about three weeks ago or three months ago. And no one really talked about, you know, this three months ago. But it was interesting that at that same time, the um, new U.S. Uh, Fleet Forces commander, or the U.S. Navy Admiral, Philip S. Davidson, had been talking to Australia at that time and told them that they were going to be in charge of controlling the southern portion of the sea by the uh, South China Sea, that they needed to do this because otherwise China was going to take control. So at that same time, Australia sends three warships up and is harassed or they play little mind games with China. I mean, they just released it this week, but it happened three months ago. It shows the escalation of, of everything that um, is happening over there. And then it just happens that that same Navy Admiral, or Admiral came out this week and was talking about the South China Sea. Here's an article from Newsweek. The head of U.S. Fleet Forces Command told lawmakers that China has become powerful enough to enforce its vast territorial claims across the disputed South China Sea, and only an armed conflict would be able to stop this. Navy Admiral Philip S. Davidson, who has been nominated for head of U.S. Pacific Command, submitted the written remarks for his hearing in front of the Senate Armed Services Committee on Tuesday. He said the Chinese expanding military presence, including secret island bases in the waters of the Asia-Pacific, have given its uh, People Liberation Army a step towards total dominance in the region, where countries such as Brunei, Indonesia, Malaysia, and the Philippines, Taiwan, and Vietnam contest China's expansive self-proclaimed maritime borders. 
Once occupied, China will be able to extend its influence thousands of miles to the south and project powers deep into Oceania. The PLA will be able to use these bases to challenge U.S. presence in the region, and any forces deployed to the islands would easily overwhelm military forces of any other South China uh, claimants. In short, China is now capable of controlling the South China Sea, all scenarios short of war with the United States. I mean, this is, (laughs) I mean, I don't know how more of a greater claim you make to the U.S. Security Council that we need to go to war with China than what the Navy Admiral just did. And he's going to be in charge of all the waters that this encompasses. Now, the importance of this, I mean, we talked about the the trade and the tariffs and all this trade war that's going on with China. Well, $5 trillion worth of annual trade goes through those waters, $5 trillion. So if you control those waters, you have a very strong control on the world economy, plain and simple. So it's very, very important that the United States does not allow China to take this, considering we're at a trade war or whatever you want to call it with China. I mean, <laughs> you know, Matthew brought up uh, the, the Dow, you know, and, and it's been up and down. And, and ever since, you know, back in, in, I believe it was in February, when the Dow dropped 666, you know, it's been in, in flux. And it's been going up 800 points and down 800 points, and it's been all over the place. Well, I mean, if you listen to the analysts on TV, this is normal. This is Don't worry about it. This is the best time to put your money into it, you know, and even when you see the, the big money pulling their money out. Um, and then you see these, these sanctions. You see these attacks against other countries. And, and you know, we, we had President Trump this last week take back sanctions that he planned on putting on Russia right after Nikki Haley announced it to the United Nations. So that conflict happened. But, I mean, we can talk about these sanctions that we want to put against Iran or want to put against Russia or want to put against China. But the the fact of the matter is these sanctions don't work. I mean, uh, to give you an example, Russia and Iran – they, they signed a deal to, to do this goods for oil program. So, you know, Iran gives oil to Russia, and Russia gives goods to Iran. There's no exchange of the U.S. dollar. There's, you know, the petrodollar does not exist in that transaction. And, and they did their first fulfillment of it now. They, they plan on having it through the rest of this year and then extending it for another five years. So if we put sanctions on them doing business with the United States, the sanctions don't do anything. They, they don't impact them at all. It, it doesn't affect them at all because, well, they've already have an agreement outside of the United States. So it, back when sanctions worked is when everyone was stuck on the U.S. dollar. And what I mean by that is, is in essence, the, the Federal Reserve and, and the, the IMF and the, and the bank that makes transactions in the U.S. dollar basically was the bank that the entire world used. I mean, if you if you wanted to grow you know grow your economy, you borrowed money from the, the bank. You got U.S. dollars, 
trade those U.S. dollars and to build infrastructure, you know, build roads, bridges, businesses, mines, whatever you wanted to do. I mean, that's, that's what they did with it. And in return, those countries paid interest to the bank for borrowing this money. I mean, that's, that's how the system has worked since World War II. That's how it is. Now, what's happened is the entire world has gone on to using the system to where now we are on the verge of a global debt crisis. I mean, the, the IMF, their classification of, you know, poor countries or countries that are not necessarily, you know, rich and wealthy, 40% of those are now seeing a debt crisis. And this has doubled in the last five years. So it's accelerating. And so what that means is these countries have taken out loans and then they can't pay them back. I mean, that's just what this means. So now they're getting overladen with debt. And so instead of, you know, building roads and bridges and, and, you know, mines to actually mine like gold and stuff like that, they're just cutting back on programs. You know, I mean, because typically a, a developed country or even a poor country, they, they have programs, you know, to fund schools and to fund firefighters and fund police officers and, and to, you know, give food to the needy and give housing to those that need it. And, and all of these public domains that, that they, they do to help their people. I mean, all countries do this, rich or poor. But when you are so debt laden and you owe so much money to the bank, you cut back on those little programs. So then the poor or just the average person in that country suffers more because then their infrastructure falls apart. And then the government's had to borrow more money to pay back the money that they already owe. And then they get more in debt and then they cut back on those programs even more. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? You know, does that sound like what the United States is doing? I mean, that's, <laughs> it's exactly what we're doing, but the entire world has already gone into this, this program and see what happens from this is they then have to have more access to credit. They have to take out more loans or they have to, in essence, get a credit card. You know, the best way to explain that. Well, if these banks see these countries are having a hard time already paying back their bills, they're, they're not going to give them any more loans. So then credit dries up. And so then they, they just starve. Then these countries see either their currency fall apart or they just see their countries fall apart. And that's what's happening across the globe as we speak. Now, this, this global debt um, is increasing drastically. And, you know, to, to give you an idea, um, you know, global debt uh, hit its highest levels ever, and governments should take actions to reduce their indebtedness while the going is still good. And this is straight from the IMF. Um, total debt levels globally came in at a record $165 trillion in 2016, amounting to 225% of the world's economic global domestic product. The le uh, level of debt was 12 percentage points steeper than the last historic high seen in 2009, immediately after the global financial crisis. So we already have a situation globally to where the debt is 225% higher than what everyone makes. So in an essence, there is no way to pay back the debt that the bank has already put onto the countries. There's just no way. 
and it's increasing, and it's higher than it was back in 2008. So in essence, when there's a new correction that happens, it's going to be worse than the one in 2008. That's, this is what the IMF just said. This is what the, the bank just told the world that is going to happen. Just to give you an idea, for instance, with the United States, in 2017, and, and by the way, those, that numbers I gave you, that's two years old. But in 2017, the United States debt was 107% of their gross domestic product. So already our debt is higher than what we make. And that was last year. Now, they anticipate by 2023, it's going to be 117%. So you see, there's no way we're going to pay off this debt. There is absolutely no way that it can happen. And, and the world sees this. They, they understand what is going on. And, I mean, they're not idiots. They study the same stuff that I study. They, 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 all the economists have. It just depends on who is getting paid off and who's not getting paid off. But when it comes to the countries, countries are going to do everything they can to survive and to try to take their people and make them survive as well. And so then you see, for instance, like Turkey this last week, you know, they, they are the 11th largest gold reserve in the world. I mean, they have more gold reserves than India. And India, part of their culture is to adorn yourself with gold. So the majority of Indians have a lot of gold. And Turkey has more gold than them. Now, Turkey actually came out and said that they want to have, they want to repatriate their gold reserves from the United States. They want all of their gold back from the United States. I mean, most countries, they, they have the, you know, Fort Knox hold their gold or supposedly hold their gold. We know when Germany tried to do this, they, it took them five years to pay back the gold. And when they did get the gold, it didn't have the same stamping as the gold that they gave the United States. So in essence, the gold that the United States paid back to Germany, they had to buy on the open market because they had already sold the gold that Germany gave them. Now, Turkey is asking for the same thing. And the reason that Turkey's asking for it is typically Turkey would do the same thing that all these other countries would do. They would take out a loan, they would get dollars, and they would spend those dollars on infrastructure or weapons or whatever else they want to do. Well, this is straight what Erdogan said. He goes, why do we make all loans in dollars? Let's use another currency. I suggest that the loans should be made based on gold. Now, Erdogan said during a speech at the Global Entrepreneurship Congress in Istanbul on April 16th. With the dollar, the world is always under exchange rate pressure. We should save states and nations from this exchange rate pressure. Gold has never been a tool of oppression throughout history. So, Turkey, like many other countries across the globe, wants their gold back. And they want their gold in exchange to using the U.S. dollar. I mean, the, the reason that the, the U.S. dollar has been so valuable, so strong through so many years is because everyone uses it. I mean, it's easy for any American that has traveled overseas, take your dollar and all of a sudden you go to another country and it's worth more money because everyone wants your dollar. When the opposite happens, when you take your dollar overseas and no one wants it, then it's worthless. 
And that's part of the reason that we had this massive tax plan that, that we had approved in, under the Trump administration to bring these trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars that were trapped overseas by wealthy Americans and also wealthy corporations, bring them back to the United States because they knew that the rest of the world was going to stop using the dollar. I mean, I've talked about it for a long time. So it's no secret. It's just they're not going to tell you. They don't want to tell you because they want you to continue believing whatever they tell you. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the game. So, so they brought all this money back, the, the wealthy, the, the people that are smart, you know, because, well, obviously they're smarter than everyone else because they made billions of dollars. So they should have the ability to keep it. So they brought it back. They had been buying their, their own stock in their own companies, increasing the stock price because they've been buying their own companies back. That's what this now the, the byproduct of this is that unfortunately inflation kicks in. I mean if you have the rest of the world's not going to accept the dollar, all the dollars come back to the United States, now all of a sudden you have a lot more dollars out there, that means the value of that dollar goes down, which means it takes more of those dollars to buy something, which means prices go up. I mean that's as simple as I can explain it to you. And the the best example I can give you this last week is the increase of oil, going from roughly $50 a barrel to roughly $70 a barrel this last week. And that's just the beginning. I mean, anyone that follows this knows that anytime there's war in the Middle East, anytime that OPEC wants to do what they want to do, they, they can subject the rest of the world to pain and to increase the oil prices. I mean, Trump even came out and said, well, we're, we're going to go through some pain, but it'll be better when we're done with it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, when a, when a billionaire that's on the, the list of the richest people in the world says that he's going to go through some pain, the, the rest of us that are not on that list, our pain is going to be greater than his pain. And if he's already anticipating pain, this gives you an idea. I mean, Saudi Arabia came out this week and they said they anticipate that they want the price of oil to be $100 a barrel, period. So they're going to get it there. So they're going to cut back on production. OPEC and Saudi Arabia is one of the main contributors to OPEC is going to make the price of oil at least $100 a barrel. For the oil industry, yip, hip, hooray. You know, that's awesome. For the rest of us, it's going to hurt you. Because, well, oil affects everything. Not only you going to the pump and filling up your gas tank and taking the money out of your pocket, but then food goes up because, well, the production of food goes up because you have to spend more money on oil for the machinery. You have to transport those foods, you know, so that, that costs that up. Um, you know, all of your goods go up. I mean, that's just how it works because, well, companies are not going to cut in their profit line. No, no, no. They, they still got to increase their profits, you know, 8 to 10% every year, you know. And so, so they're going to make sure that they increase their prices. And if their, you know, costs go up, they got to increase it even more to make sure that the profit margins stay the same. I mean, they're not going to drop their profit margins because then the CEOs don't make the money that they're supposed to make. So that cost gets passed on to you. That expense gets passed on to you. And, of course, you know, that's just, you know, just – two different aspects of how this inflation is going to take off. You know, I mean, we, we, we've already talked about these tariffs 
and how, you know, Trump saying, oh, China, you know, we're going to make it so that your goods cost, you know, 15% more, 25% more, 50% more, or like China said, and one of theirs, they're going to increase their, their tariffs 175%. The, the, that expense doesn't go to anyone but the consumer. That expense goes to you. That increase in cost goes to you. That is all inflation. That is pure inflation. That is increase in the cost of goods. That is inflation. That is exactly what it is. And if you want to see what's going on, look at Venezuela, look at Brazil. I mean, Brazil right now, they're having massive strikes because the cost of energy, electricity, stuff that you have to have is so high that it is strangling businesses. It is strangling individuals to where they can't pay their utilities. They can't keep the lights on. They can't go to work because they can't keep the lights on at their job. And it's because the costs of everything are so high because the amount that it takes to produce the energy is so high and the corporations are not going to cut the profit margins. So it's strangling everyone. Venezuela, their, their inflation is already, I think, what, 1,500%. Um, I mean, it's just it's insane. All of South America and Central America are going through this, and it's, it's just spreading like wildfire. And then you, you hear everyone complain that there's a caravan coming up from South and Central America to the United States. You can't blame them. They think, well, the United States is stable, and they're doing it to everyone, so you know, it's going to be better in the United States. Little do they know the same thing is going to happen in the United States that's happening in South and Central America. Because, well, that's how it's set up. That's how the system is set up. And unfortunately, we are seeing that and going through that as we speak. Now, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, the, the Fed and they control interest rates, and they, they raise interest rates because the whole point is, is when you raise interest rates, you're restricting the amount of money out there. So you're making it harder to borrow. That's the plain and simple. So when inflation starts to go up, they raise interest rates. They take money out of the system to make it so that way the costs don't go up too fast. We are already in a, um, a system. It's called stag deflation. And this, this was what the same thing happened in 2008. And unfortunately, this is the one economic problem that no economist has ever been able to fix. They, they, they have no solution for this because there is no solution for this. I mean, every time under every currency in the history of the world that has faced this has failed, every single one of them. Now, the United States, we're smarter than everyone. We're smarter than everyone in history. I mean, that's how we see it. So, you know, our whole plan in 2008 was to cause inflation so that way we did not have stag deflation. I mean, that was, that was what our plan was. Even Alan Greenspan said, hey, we are headed towards this, this stagflation, is what he calls it. And, you know, we're, that's going to be the greatest crisis that we see. So when the ex-Fed chairman says, hey, this is going to happen, and they just prolong it. And they put all this inflation in the banking system, and they only lent out the money to those individuals that they wanted to give the money to. So they made sure that their friends and their families and their buddies and everyone else had the money, made the money, invested the money, and bought products with the money. You know, so that way they would have assets, they would have commodities, they would have stocks, they would have bonds, they would have all these things. Where the average individual would have nothing because no money was given to them. 
you know, it's not like when the banks are given these bailouts that actually, you know, they increase their lending to the average person. No, they kept the same credit structure. So those individuals that lost their houses or went through bankruptcy or foreclosures back in 2008 and their credit went down into the dumps, it's not like they restructured everyone's credit to compensate for that. No, they didn't do that. You know, they, they just made it to where anyone that didn't go through those issues, your credit's really good, but anyone that went through the issues, okay, you're already bad. So we're just not going to help you and give you any money to make it any better for you. So, so now we have the issue where the entire world is in massive debt. We have a global crisis, a global debt crisis. We have inflation taken off everywhere, everywhere, including the United States. Inflation is taking off, and I've shown you how it's going to continue taking off. We have interest rates that are going to be risen, and you know, I think it was back you know, three, four years ago, I saw that if interest rates ever hit 2.5%, that we would be paying the entire amount that we collect in taxes only to the interest on what we owe. And I think we're at 1.75% right now. And they plan on increasing it another three to four percent or three to four times this year. So we're going to hit that two and a half percent this year to where there's no way we would ever be able to pay off our debt because we're just going to be paying off the interest. If you believe, you know, the unemployment rates, we're a full employment. There's no jobs out there. You, everyone has a job, you know, or two or three or six. You know, everyone has a job. We're a full employment. So it's not like they can really produce any more jobs because everyone's employed, you know, but but wages are not going up. Wages are the same. And actually there was a report that came out and said that right now is the first time that younger generations are making less than their parents. It's supposed to be the opposite way around that the younger generations make more than their parents and they get up. No, no, no. Right now it's the first time in history of the United States history that the younger generation is making less than their parents, but yet their costs are exaggerate. I'm mean, just, just crazy. I mean, my, my family was able to buy a house for 50, 60 grand. Now you can't buy a house, you know, for, for less than 200, $400,000, but yet they're making less money. So that's not working as well. And then we see that credit is being restricted, absolutely restricted. Credit card defaults are going through the roof. Uh, the, the countries are not able to lend anything and the average individual can't borrow money. So credit's being restricted as well. So then defaults on the corporate scale and also on the personal scale are going to increase because if they're not making any money, they can't get access to credit and costs are going up, that equals default. There's no way you can continue running a business or running a household under those situations. And so then we run into the same issue that we had in 2008 where they're taking people's homes. They're taking people's businesses because, well, when you can't pay your bills, that's what the bank does is they take things away. On to this, the rest of the world is moving away from the dollar. So that means that the value of the dollar is decreasing and it's going to continue decreasing as the rest of the world moves away from this. So unless your wages go up and you're making more money at the same rate as the dollar is devaluing, there's no way you can pay your bills. There's just absolutely no way that it can head to this. And so the only outcome that happens from this system is hyperinflation. Only outcome is they default on everything, they take the money from everyone, and then the, the value of the dollar goes down and the cost of goods go through the roof. 
So that way, if you're wealthy and you have a lot of money, you can still you know, pay for things. But if you don't, you don't have access to anything. You can't get anything. And that is where this weird new system has been put into place. And, you know, I've talked about this before, but the Trump administration, you know, they want to get away from food stamps. You know, they, they just don't think people actually use the food stamps in a proper way. You know, they, they believe that it, it should be a food box. So, you know, here's a box and it already has your food in it. You know, you don't get to use your food stamps to go, you know, buy a soda if you want to. You, you have to have with these boxes. And also they're, they're making it to where you have to work, in some cases, 40 hours a week to get these boxes. You have to have a full-time job, plus you have to work 40 hours a week to be able to get a box of food so you can eat. You know, because you're working 40 hours a week is just to pay rent. You know, I mean, it's not like you have disposable income to do both. So in an essence, if you're not independently wealthy or have a really, really, really good job, you're you're working 80 hours a week just to have a house over your head or a roof over your head and food on your plate. That is the system that they are pushing through this. And unfortunately, unless they open up the credit lines or unless they start giving a universal income to individuals on the low level, that is exactly where they're headed with this. And unfortunately, that leads me to my, my last point before I hand it back to Matthew. This, this system, I, I just brought up universal income. I just brought up giving some kind of credit or some kind of money to individuals on the bottom line. And we know in, in California and a lot of other areas, they are rounding up homeless and putting them into camps. You know, they're, they're saying that they're trying to take care of the homeless because there's such a massive homeless problem. They're, they're just putting them in one place so they can take care of them. That's a camp. That's that's rounding up your poor. <laughs> but what's going on in Europe and also the United States with this biometric ID is scary. Because ultimately, when they have people that need government assistance to the level that we are talking is going to be needed on a global scale, and they're going to require biometric IDs for everyone, that's straight out of scripture. Now, I just want to read a little bit of this, of this article. The European Commission has announced plans to make biometric ID cards compulsory across the block, which will allow authorities to bar terrorists and criminals from accessing money and other services. Plans to introduce mandatory ID cards across all 28 EU member states, including Britain, have been in development for more than two years in Brussels as part of the Commission's goal to, you know, of building an effective security union. Set to be equipped with data including the holder's fingerprint, the card would be designed to tackle identity fraud and make it harsher to falsify documents, according to Migration, Home Affairs, and Citizenship Commissioner. We have tightened the screws until there is no room left for terrorists or criminals and no more means for, for them to carry out attacks. This means that they must be barred from accessing money, counterfeit documents, weapons, and explosives, and at the same time preventing them from being able to cross, uh, cross our borders undetected. I don't know how, how much easier I can explain what is coming to you. I, I, I can't. 
This is about as simple as I can lay it out. But this is all all right there. And if you have, if you want to check anything I've said, it's all on my Twitter. It's every article. All of this happened this week. All of this is laid out this week. All of this has been building for quite a while. But it's all there. And you can see how they're going to strangle the population, how they're going to take every asset that they can from the population, and they're going to make them do exactly what they're doing to the citizens of Gaza. Make it to where they bend to their will to accept whatever they want to give them, otherwise die. That is what they're laying out. So, Matthew, I'll hand it back over to you, man. Well, Clinton certainly is uh, disturbing. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, you know, you're probably not pervy to the simple fact that Clinton and I have had private conversations when I described to him things that have been going on years ago um, with the poor. Uh, So this is Well, let me put it to you this way. You have no idea what's what's going on be, because you don't care. And that's why you don't know. And uh, I mean there are states here that – that uh, I mean literally speaking, if you're poor, you're – well, like I said, it doesn't matter. If you don't know, you don't care. Um, but let's uh, let's do this. I probably got some major breaking news that nobody's ever heard before. I mean, what I'm going to read to you is real. Now, most of you think that the only real thing is is the KJV, so I'll read it out of that. But uh, I'm just going to read it in probably a way you've never heard it before, and we're just going to believe it. And see how it runs, okay? So, all hands shall be feeble, and all knees shall be as weak as water. Now, that's kind of strange. Uh, let me check the Hebrew on that. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, that's kind of strange. Because uh, what they're saying there shall be come like water. That's that's not uh well that's actually uh in our tongue that would be uh telakna. Telakna. That that that's not that's not to me and that's that's not that's that's not H nineteen eighty. Now that's that's definitely uh not how that's spelled, so that's that's kinda interesting. I don't know. Um but you understand that what God just said was real. Something's physically going to be happening. Uh, well, let's, let's just continue on. Let's just run with it. They will gird themselves up with sackcloth, and shuddering will overwhelm them. Well, that's kind of interesting. You mean they'll, they'll be like shaking. I, I guess that's a common ailment today. I think they call it trembling. I don't know. Um, And shame will be on all their faces and baldness on all their heads. 
Now, stop the bus, ladies and gentlemen. Did the Lord your God just tell you that if you ain't in a place that's, well, I, I guess, I guess this is those people that's not going to be raptured to heaven. Did you know everybody's going to lose their hair? That's kind of strange. Um, well, I mean, not really, because we know a lot of the um, women today, they actually go to uh, Sunday church with wigs on, so that's probably not going to be a problem. Let's check out the next verse. They will fling their silver into the streets, and their gold will become an abhorrent thing. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. Now, this is kind of interesting. They cannot satisfy their appetite. That can't be good. So so I I guess maybe you'll just be hungry all the time, but I'm sure he's going to clarify. Nor can they fill their stomachs. Oh, how so that's kind of like opposite of the manna, I guess. So you can just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and well, you're just going to become like a bottomless pit. You won't be able to fit. Now, this is what God's Word is saying, and and he said it twice to make sure you understood what he said. I mean, let's, let's, let's reiterate. They cannot satisfy their appetite. Why? I mean, how is that possible? Well, he, he tells you. Nor can they fill their stomachs. So I guess you just become like a bottomless pit. I think it's what they call most teenage boys. Uh, for their iniquity has become an occasion of stumbling. Well, that's, that's interesting. I wonder – let me switch it over to the Hebrew here just to be sure. Huh. Of their stumbling. Well, that's – that's that's well. I guess you could say that, but uh, yeah, you might want to. Well, actually, um, let me. I mean, I know this is akin to blasphemy, but um, uh, somebody needs to check out those last two words there in the KJV, uh, because well, the last word. I, I mean, I'm sorry that I know Hebrew, and I have since I was a child. By the way, but I just wonder why uh, why the last word it means to become or to exist. That's actually uh, the root uh, for the name of the Lord our God. Actually, uh, that's uh, means to become or come into being. Uh, you call that H nineteen sixty one, and I would never even remotely. Translate those those last two verses those last two words as a stumbling block for their iniquity. I don't know. I I could be wrong. No doubt about it. Let's get to the news, shall we? Uh, let's see here. We'll just go straight to Fox News, and that's the authority for the day. Wait a minute. That that can't be right. Rapture prediction for April twenty third. Just latest of kooky doomsday calls. That can't be right. That can't be from. Fox News. Uh, let's switch it over here to the Guardian. Now that is the authority in Great Britain. Uh, let's see here. Uh, 
No, the world will not end on Monday, says conspiracy theorists cited in reports. Well, that can't be right. Well, let's just read the, read the first stanza here. Uh, reports that the world will end on Monday are incorrect. According to uh, the man reported to have said the world will end on Monday, I guess. Numerous news organizations reported this week that the world will be destroyed on April 23rd, citing a Christian conspiracy theorist who has made a number of incorrect predictions about the end of the world. Let's see, but it says here, but in an interview with The Guardian, so The Guardian actually actually called this, uh, he's obviously authority in Christian conspiracy uh, theorist circles. Um, yeah, it, it goes on. I mean, I'm not going to try to share too much because this is uh, obviously uh, saying that he made failed predictions before, I guess. But, uh, I mean, this this is the Guardian, and this is his title. It says, A Christian Conspiracy Theorist. So, I don't know. Maybe we better switch to a break because we got uh, two obvious uh, authoritative news sources uh well, that's not very polite for them to – I mean this is from Fox News. It says, cranks. At some point, we have to stop believing people who keep crying wolf. So this is uh, – well, maybe this is fake news. Maybe somebody posted this in Fox News's name, and that can't obviously be from The Guardian because this is an obviously an anti-rapture news article here. So this is probably fake news. Um, so we better get to the break. Um, today for the break, um, we're going to come face-to-face with um, some very magical things that's going to happen to us in the past. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I said that wrong because, well, these chapters could not have come true yet. So I, I, I meant to say the future. Yes, that's what I meant to say. But how about chapter 3? Uh, has never taken place yet, and I guess it's a little bit like those verses that I read before, even though I didn't tell you where those was about, you know, throwing gold in the streets and you're going to become bald and you won't be able to fill up your belly. Well, this is uh, in that same vein, but this is going to happen to the good people, and I guess we're going to get uh, our hind feet. I wonder what that means. And the Bible also describes when we're going to get our eagle's wings. I guess this is when we all, well, I guess we have a choice, Maybe. Maybe if you're a Jew, you can just leap to heaven with your hind feet, and I guess if you're a Christian, you'll fly to heaven, I guess. Um, that's pretty good stuff. Uh, so we better go ahead and cut to break and uh, listen to what God has to say is going to happen during the same time uh, that the bad people are going to be throwing their gold into the streets and but th- uh, that's the least of their worries, their gold. I mean, all their hair's going to fall out, and they can't satiate their hunger. So that's that's bad stuff. Got to be. All right. We'll be back in nine minutes and one second. And uh, you are listening 
to the End Time Tribune. Uh, sorry I didn't get to cover any uh, positive Wapturian news. Sorry about that, but uh, I'm sure after further investigation I'll be able to find something of positive value. And, uh, well, maybe that's why we should get the break from Habakkuk and Revelation. Surely they have something positive to add to this equation. Amen? Oh, by the way, my name's Matthew Miller. And, uh, well, I'm a God-fearing, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching Christian. Are you? I should surely hope so. Nine minutes. One second. Habakkuk 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shagayanoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth, he beheld, and drove asunder the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow, his ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thy anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea? That thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked, according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Salah. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by, the deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thine arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointing. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked, by discovering the foundation unto the neck, Selah. Thou didst strike through with his staves the head of his villages. They came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. 
the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Ladies and gentlemen, have you considered the little yet? Let us consider this. How is it that the Lord is going to revive his work in the midst of the years? In the midst of the years, it will be made known. And why is it this magical time between years? Why is it then that wrath will also accompany mercy? And tell me, is it in between these years that the woman will be taken care of, or is it a different time? And once again, do we need Heinz feet in heaven? And really, ladies and gentlemen, really, are you sure? The Bible says that you will be given the wings of an eagle to fly into heaven. And tell me, why is it that Habakkuk mentions, ah yes, the olive tree? But there are other things mentioned here that just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't ring true. Ladies and gentlemen, if the woman is to give birth to a male child, it can't be during this time because, well, it plainly said that, and I quote, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be no babes born during this time. Consider these things, ladies and gentlemen. Revelation 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. 
and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place. For she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Well, after listening to the break, ladies and gentlemen, I just, just, just I mean, something caught my attention there. I know, I know that that sign there. Um, Mentioned in Revelation, that, that was obviously supposed to take place on uh, another 23. So I went back to uh, the Guardian article, and uh, sure enough, it says here that uh, this uh, uh, Christian conspiracy theorist cites that uh, Monday, uh, April, is also the 23rd. So I just kind of triggered some memories, so... Sure enough, later on in the article, it says this Christian conspiracy theorist uh, has made a number of incorrect predictions about the fate of the world. He predicted uh, that a planet called Nibiru would herald the destruction of the Earth on September 23rd, 2017, uh, which uh, did not happen. Uh, he also previously predicted that the seven years of tribulation would start on October the 15th, 2017. Um, his tribulation criteria are unclear. Well, we can just nip this in the bud right now. We'll just go check the rapture index. So, heading on over to rapture ready. <clears throat> says here that uh, the rapture index is 182. Let's see what's going on here. Uh, says Satanism. The lack of activity has downgraded this category. Really? Well, shoot, that... I know they talk about them 144,000 witnesses, you know, getting everybody saved, so maybe that's that's what's going on there in satanic activity. Not not quite sure. Maybe I'd have contact the administrators. Uh, 
Unemployment. The official jobless numbers are at a seven-year low. Well, that can't be right. Um, let's see here. Let's check inflation. Uh, slow economic growth is putting downward pressure on prices. Really? How about interest rate? Uh, let's see here. The markets have dropped sharply in the past few days. All right, well, that's bad. Let's see here. Crime rates. The crime rate drops in many cities. Well, that ain't right. Okay, let's, let's, let's check drug abuse. Several states vote to legalize pot. Hmm. Well, I better check supernatural. Uh, the lack of acti- activity has downgraded this category. Um, let's see here. We better check the tribulation temple category. The temple mount has been generally quiet in recent weeks. Well, we we better check the uh, – well, surely there's got to be a category here. Let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Um, well, let's, let's, let's check about the Kings of the East category, category 31. Over here on the Rapture Index. China and Japan agreed to directly trade their currencies. Well, that, that, that must be apocalyptic or something. That's got to be bad. Maybe I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, anyway, um, maybe we'll just nix that in, you know, maybe we'll just change speed here. It's time for Brian. That's that's what it is. Um is. I'm not sure what that was all about. I mean, According to Rapture Ready, a lot of what Clinton had to say was Nick's, I guess. Um, I guess the unemployment's – everybody's got a job, and everything's going well, so I'm not quite sure. I'm going to have to privately discuss that with Clinton, make sure he's got all his uh, T's crossed and all his I's dotted there. Brian, uh, it's your turn to uh, do your news diatribe. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to have to say this outright. Brian, you need to probably need to nix any news you was planning on covering from Fox and The Guardian because they're obviously anti-rapture. So if you could, if you've got anything in the lineup from Fox or Guardian, you just might want to push them to the back maybe. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Bry and his news coverage for the week. Brian? Sure, how to respond. Man, oh man, I'm not even certain how to respond to that one. Um, hmm. Me not using Fox. Uh, sorry, folks. I don't use Fox unless, you know, I want to get my state-sponsored uh, propaganda. So as far as The Guardian, hit and miss. Some good, some bad. Anyways, and, you know, I guess since we brought that up, maybe we should talk about that for a split second. You know, I took a, a stroll through the other um, infamous, uh, what would you call that, Cambridge Analytica, Steve Bannon, and Mercer troubled Facebook yesterday. And boy, oh boy, you know, people, it's rather ironic and almost hilarious to the fact that it's the uh, 
the infamous um, right wing. Now, what terminology have they come up with here over time? They call them Christian nationalists. Um, I refer to them as theocrats or crusaders. Better said, Nicolaitans. You see, they have been found out through an organization that went through and did extensive research into the topic of who it was that was uh, perpetrating and pushing the most fake news during the election cycle. And folks, that group of people I listed previously for simplicity's sake, I'll state it again, the Crusaders, had been found to be the top groups that were pushing fake news through the election, and I can most certainly assert that they're still doing it. You know, yesterday I stumbled across this uh, this nice little story about a uh, you have this uh, governor in California that is a Republican candidate. You know, uh, you know, interviewed by Breitbart News. Oh, we can keep going here, and he makes a claim that California is trying to ban the Bible from being sold. Now, this post went viral because, well, what happens? Of course, these things go viral because people don't ever spend the whole three seconds that it might take to actually see if this is even reliable. As I said, it took me three seconds. All I did was run the governor's name. And guess what, everybody? The story was a joke. Not does not even resemble reality. Uh, you know, there's there's an infamous site out there called Snopes for your fact checking. That you know, a lot of times they're pretty on the mark. And as a matter of fact, you might want to actually also look into the news sources that you post from and cross check it with sites such as that, because you'll find out real quick that folks, some of your little favorite sites out there, they're not run by who you think they are. I mean, let's see here. I'm sure some people are going to catch what I'm saying here. Mr. Tyler Durden, I'd look into who he is. Oh, yeah, he uses that name from the Fight Club. Wouldn't be posting that garbage, if, but that's just me because I looked. So on to real news from real reliable sources now that that nonsense is out of the way. All right, earlier in the week we had a story that broke out of Heretz.com. Immediately, I sent this in a message to Matthew because this is really rather important. I brought this up on last night's broadcast and stated that I would be going into this. You, you see, everybody, um, here in the United States, you've got that um, the Crusader branch, you know, and they even put this into the quote-unquote Christian Zionists, and we've gone through and explained all this before. I don't need to go into extreme depth about that again. But they're all convinced that Trump stands for Israel, that him declaring Israel, that Jerusalem was the capital of Israel, was a good thing. Moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, marking on the very anniversary of Israel becoming a nation, the 70-year marker. Once again, everybody's convinced this is a good thing. Before I touch on a few topics here that come up in this article, I'm going to point this out. Everybody, you need to wrap your minds around the fact that the move, that move 
that announcement has done what? It has flared up all of the Palestinians inside of Israel. And ever since that time, there has been nonstop chaos with riots breaking out, such as an example. And this is only one portion of the example because the Gaza Strip protests are very apparent, obviously. And, you know, of course, we got the international community all divided on what's been happening there. Why are they shooting at these people? You know, what's happening? Well, we can state this. I would say that a few of these shootings aren't exactly, probably may not have been valid targets, but the number of those are actually small because independent independent groups have went out and even combed through Palestinian websites and collected the entire list of the vast majority of these targets are known Hamas and uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I believe it's Islamic Jihad members. This has been verified. So when you're looking at a ratio of at the time that the list was released last week, there was only three people that they weren't able to verify. Now, when you have that large of a number of these people being known from documentation that they are linked to terror organizations and they are the ones that are showing up within the uh, people that have been killed during these Gaza riots, folks, you need to really seriously sit back and consider when the evidence is being brought forward. And I stated this when this broke out previous to when we had the uh, Passover when those riots started, when we did that program, I stated this from the get-go. We need to wait for the evidence to start coming forward before anybody is jumping to conclusions. They've been bringing the evidence forward continually. The IDF has been very smart with how they're bringing forward things as they've had their drone footage that is being shot from overhead. And they've been releasing this to the public. So as much as everybody wants to jump on siding with one group or the other in all circumstances we always have to look at all of the evidence now this even goes to a discussion matthew and i had earlier in the week because the more you begin to look at for instance what we had happen i guess technically speaking it would be two weeks back of course last friday is when the western forces came in and started bombing but when you start looking at the facts on the ground, okay, did Assad have chemical weapons? Was he the one that perpetrated that attack? Okay, we cannot 100% throw that option out the window. There's a report that came out of Belgium that we had groups that were breaking sanctions, and they state, well, unknowingly, and they were sending specific weapons to Syria. Okay, how true is this? I'm not certain. At the same time, we've also had, now the number I think has gone up to four or five in this last week, chemical weapons facilities that have been found in the cleared region of Duma that were in the areas that were under control by Jayesh al-Islam, Army of Islam. So we have a two-fold factor in this equation. When you go back and look at the OPCW investigations 
with what limited information they were capable of bringing forward, they pointed out that strong probability Syria was using chemical weapons, not to even mention the fact that they know for certain Islamic State was and other rebel factions as well. And the guy that did the blowback series on The Intercept released an article, you know, entailing the fact that, you know, before everybody is just completely jumping through hoops here, you know, because of the fact that we really have no idea as of yet what in the heck has really transpired here with these chemical attacks. He pointed out that people, you need to stop running to the defense of Bashar al-Assad and making him out to be some peachy keen great guy. Well, here's the thing. This caught the attention of a lot of other journalists that have been writing on this topic, and they were infuriated. Now, I can understand their reasons for being infuriated, but at the same time, I think he made some very valid points as well. Now, we know full well that there's been odd things that have been happening since this, and it's not a civil war. You know, they run around using that terminology, civil war, but that's not what this is. This is a sectarian fight that is happening between Assad's forces and against very Islamist, I guess is one terminology they want to use, Islamism-related groups. Okay, these are far-right radical or extremist. There's so many pieces of terminology everybody wants to run around using. Irregardless of that, you have a fight that's being waged between the Syrian army, obviously Russia, Iran, we have Hezbollah in there, we know all this. But these forces that they're fighting against and the map of them, when you break it down into just an illustration, say using little dots like has been done, is vast and expansive. To give an example, for instance, Jaish al-Islam, or Army of Islam, is funded by Qatar, Turkey, Saudi Arabia. Now, if it's funded by those nations, well, guess what? By extrapolation, we know full well that the West is doing this on top of it. And I've got further backing for that that I'll come in with. With some articles released back in 2014, we know this is the case on the ground. Is it a possibility that both groups may be involved in using chemical weapons? I wouldn't throw it completely out of the window. And that's where we have to be careful with these things. I mean, I will tell you one thing. I've looked deeply, deeply, deeply into the accusations that have been made against the White Helmets. And, you know, I can get Matthew to back me on this one here. I went through one of the uh, organizations, this Swedish, um, you know, claimed to be independent organization and the evidence they brought forward. Um, You know, trying to point out that all these things have been staged. You know, to further add on to that as well, coming out of task news agency, one of the fathers of one of the children that appeared in that video 
stated that him and his son will gladly testify before the U.N. and before any court system in the United States to clear this matter up. So these are the things that are happening on that side of the equation. We have so many of these details breaking out in the midst of this. We have this fog of war. I was going to bring something up previous here, and my mind sort of drew a blank on what it was I was going to state. And I guess that's, you know, the signal that I need to start moving into this. As I stated previous in the week, we had this story that was released by Haaretz. Israel will have to give on the Palestinian front for U.S. help against Iran and Syria. Now, I'm moving further down into the article in the spots that I highlighted in here. As Benjamin Netanyahu used to tell the Palestinians, if you give, you'll get that the essence of Trump's policy, then there is us. Trump declares he is leaving Syria. And what about Israel's problem with Iran in Syria? Here, the president's message is repeated. If you give, you'll get. If Israel wants American intervention, it will have to pay in an uncomfortable coin. An agreement on a Palestinian state. That's what the Saudis are demanding. They are ready to cooperate with Israel, but they can't do so without a solution for the Palestinians. Trump is interested in the huge acquisition deals with Saudi Arabia. And he knows that only extortion will work. If Israel wants American assistance in Syria against Iran, including preventing a possible entanglement with Russia, and if it doesn't want the Saudis to step up their nuclearization, it will have to come to an agreement with the Palestinians. The deal now depends on the Israeli government. Trump is apparently willing to take the nuclear issue upon himself which is also the case regarding North Korea. But if Israel refuses to contribute its part to the deal with the Palestinians, it will bear sole responsibility for a serious clash with Iran and Hezbollah in Syria and Lebanon. The government must now decide, is it more important to continue to expand the settlements in the West Bank and cause a renewed mobilization of Saudi Arabia and Egypt against Israel? Or is it interested in preventing a war in the north, removing the Iranian threat from our borders? Trump is presenting it with a clear-cut choice. Now, I hope that everybody caught the ramifications of this. You know, because uh, I I would say that this sort of uh, contradicts what's being stated here in many circles in the United States. You know, everybody stop and consider what happened with the uh, meeting between the uh, Arab leaders this week. King Salman, not the prince, the king. 
and the rest of the uh, Arabian coalition, well, they, for one, they renamed the uh, meeting with the title Jerusalem in it. It has everything to do with them backing the Palestinian state, sending more money in to help with aid in all these varied areas, which, of course, that gets a little iffy. There's an article that came out today from uh, Arab Monitor. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it is. That goes into some pretty explicit details about this. And, you know, it's it's a little iffy here because, of course, you know, when the Saudis promise a great big deal of money, the amount that they really send as opposed to what they claimed they were going to send are always two different things. But you had basically all these nations stating, look, this isn't going down the way the uh, crown prince tried to portray this in the United States. But here's the kicker. You see, when some of these newspaper articles started circulating concerning what Mohammed bin Salman actually said, they kind of erased the comments concerning Palestinian statehood. So, you know, that's, that's how you pull things off is you, you take little clips and you state things out of context. You know, I, I can give another example of some crusader uh, garbage I stumbled into last night, some great big film done up years back. Um, you know, it ties into the whole infamous, uh, the whole Obama administration was being controlled and run by Muslim Brotherhood, for Pete's sake. Give me a break. You know, but some of the commentary, they pointed out some real notable things. Because they said, oh, I can't believe what the Democrats have done all this time. And they go through and they list them all, and I'm like, that's classic. Because here's the thing, everybody. During the building of a mosque in Munich, the same mosque, this is Munich, Germany, the same mosque where two both Trade Center, World Trade Center attacks were planned from. One of the people that was involved with that project was one of the top people in the Muslim Brotherhood, Syed Nasir. President Eisenhower, who, mind you, everyone, is a Republican. Okay? He set that ball in motion. Even when the intelligence communities were going, uh, this might not be a good idea. And yet they set it in motion. It was great big, long, drawn-out meetings that happened uh, various uh, groups coming together to educate on certain odds and ends, irregardless of any of that. The point being is it was Eisenhower that started those connections. It was not the Democrats because they conveniently and purposely to push their propaganda skipped over a historical fact that was very important in understanding how it is that, well, let's see. Beginning in the late 1890s, Britain was working with trying to cultivate 
a right-wing group within the Muslim world. And this later led to what happened in 1928 with the foundation of the Muslim Brotherhood, for instance. Or we can go backwards even further in time with how Britain was uh, once again trying to bring about the same thing where we got the House of Saud and Wahhabism. Okay, the West has a pattern that stretches back right to that same time frame of the late 1800s. Our marker for 120 years moving forward to the great day of he who sits upon the throne. And yet you have your propaganda groups out there that have started some of the most completely wacko conspiracies that purposely are leaving out the important historical ramifications. Now, to even further amplify this mosque in Munich, okay, a little background history before we go into this, because this is going to get a little shocking with somebody that was released in the news was arrested this week. This mosque in Munich goes back to Nazi Germany. The main person that was behind getting this mosque moving forward was also the same person that was working with Nazi Germany to once again cultivate far-right Islamic groups. You know, to give a prime example, the Grand Mufti of Palestine Okay, he was deeply involved with Hitler out there on numerous meetings. Numerous meetings. This is all documented photographs, so this is historical fact again. And yet, uh-oh, once again, the West, specifically in that time, Britain was working hand-in-hand with these groups, who on top of it in turn began working with Nazi Germany at the same time. Now, why am I touching more on this mosque in Munich and bringing up these details, the, these real details compared to the fiction that's running around out there about this mosque in Munich? Well, this week, one of the uh, primary climbers uh, one of the, um, he would have to be Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, let's just go past to the point. Had been captured. One of the people associated with the groups from Germany, and it was Muslim Brotherhood, folks. I don't know why everybody just ignores this that flew those planes into the. World Trade Center on September 11th. Now, you know, and there's, there's some little details that I could start pointing out from the historical perspective of what happened at that point in time that would really begin to make people's head spins. Head spin, but of course they would, well, I'd go back and look into some of the things that Bin Laden stated after those attacks happened. I'll just say this because you're going to find some very shocking things in the midst of it. You know, they they don't touch on the fact that 
why is it that we had the um, infamous blind imam was here placed by a very high-level government official in a mosque in New York, not to even mention he was involved in terror attacks. This same guy is on films from the uh, assassination of Amar Sadat when they rounded up all the Muslim Brotherhood and started putting them in little jail cells. They had them getting attacked by dogs, all kinds of stuff. But, once again, nobody talks about these things either. You know, as much as everybody wants to run around with their atypical um, bread-and-butter conspiracy theories, look, I have gone through vast amounts of historical work on this through varied areas, and all the atypical bread-and-butter conspiracy theories, you are so far in left field, it's not even funny. And I mean... You see, a film such as the one here that was being um, pushed by this right-wing, obviously, propaganda outlet. You see, they tried to villainize all Muslims when they've done this thing. And people, you need to understand the difference between regular Muslims as opposed to these far-right extreme groups such as Wahhabism, Salafists, Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, this list goes on. It's gotten pretty extensive now considering what we have going on in Syria. You know, Al-Qaeda, Islamic State, all of that. Everybody, you need to understand the difference between the two of them. I've watched people that I know here personally posting garbage to their social networks about signing petitions to keep all of the refugees out of our nation because of some nonsense that starts getting perpetrated. When you look back into it, you find out John Bolton was actually behind it. Oh, yes. Again, this is verifiable. You know, the nonsense that, um, let's see, that they're planning on taking over all of America. They're going to basically um, come here and they're going to have so many babies born that no longer will the standard American people even be the top percentage in this nation, garbage like that. Yet let me ask you a question for all you isolated Americans. How many of you are living in a circumstance where you are hiding in basements of buildings that of towns and cities that are being absolutely devastated as bombs are dropping on your head on a continual basis and you're hoping that that Building doesn't drop. How many of you are being chased by armed militants or other varied uh, national groups on the ground and being chased with weapons in hand? People, you better stop and think when you sit there and you jump on board with this kind of nonsense. Maybe take a walk in their shoes. And the biggest thing I'll point out, riddle yourself the Good Samaritan. And I I shouldn't even have to be bringing this discussion up, but all considering I'm seeing the same nonsense as being floated out there again in your, as they tried to call them, Christian nationalist circle, 
or Crusader Circles. Unfortunately, I have to spend time on it once again after I have been repeatedly stating the same thing nonstop. Now, to move back into news. Earlier this week, a whole string of stories began to come out concerning Israel releasing documentation showing that they had satellite footage where every Iranian base was. This was in tandem with multiple missile defense systems going off in Syria earlier in the week. Now, for some reason, it's almost as if none of the news sources talked about it afterwards. But on the ground coming from the Syrian forces themselves and even backed by the Russian uh, soldier that had to stop it, the attack, they had stated that it was the Pentagon and the uh, Israel that were behind the cyber attack on their missile defense systems. Now, as I explained last night, to go back over the top of it, America's good. Cybercom and all their cyber warfare units, all the hackers they bring in, because look, they find good hackers, they bring them in, give them a job in the government. Nonetheless, they're good. But I'll tell you right now, Israel definitely outweighs them by a thousandfold. And if you're going to do testing on strikes, that's the best way to do it. If you can disable those air defense systems by using cyber attacks, yes, that's the way to do it. Also, other little details have been released throughout the week. There were uh, statements that it claimed that were coming from Israeli defense people on the ground, and this actually might be the case that this is being done, that, once again, Israel was behind the... uh, attack on the T-4 airbase in Homs last week. Why I state that, it might be coming out because, well, you would release information like that to make certain that you threaten and let Iran know that, look, we know where everything is. We're not playing around with you. You better back off. That's, that's a nice way to paraphrase it. Strangely enough, we had another story that came out this week out of uh, it's either the Washington Post or the Washington Times, then on top of it, turned around and said that it's been confirmed that the United States and Israel had discussed, had been on the phone with each other before the attacks transpired on that Homs Air Base. But here's the problem. I caught anomalies in the article that didn't add up with the other facts that have been reported actually from the ground. For instance, I brought up that article from The Nation a couple weeks back, brought it up on my broadcast that I did on Overt Attention Show, um, as well on the episode about Hamath. They stated that they used old Soviet-era missiles, when that completely contradicts what information has been released from the ground. They threw an entire barrage of what you you know to kind of break it down junk missiles towards that Israeli plane that was a highly technologically advanced electronic warfare plane that was obviously refitted with all the equipment and as Matthews brought up time and time again that happens with every piece of hardware military hardware that Israel buys they threw an entire barrage of these garbage missiles and one highly advanced 
missile was hidden in that barrage, and that's what took out the uh, Israeli jet fighter, that F-16, the electronic warfare bird. And yet, Washington Post contradicted this. There were other contradictions in there. And that kind of honestly made me question the reliability of that story. I could go into further details as to why, but, you know, we need to kind of watch for little anomalies like that. The contradictions are what really make things stand out. When you see them, you know something might not be right. On top of it, we had a... In one of the Indonesian companies, uh, countries, I can't remember off the top of my head, we had an assassination of a top Hamas. Uh, he was a student associated with Hamas. He was training scientists related to rockets and all kinds of stuff. The report stated that eyewitness testimony that hasn't been verified has stated that... It was two European-looking men, and, of course, they blamed Mossad right away. And since I'm down to that uh, little timeline, I guess I have to skip over some of these. I'll mention this headline real quick. Uh, Folks, you might want to look for this article. Russian diplomat claims smoke barrels from Salisbury found in Syria. Oh, it's uh, it's a kicker right out of TASS News Agency. We had this one come out of uh, JNS.org. A raw deal. U.S. weapons for terror sponsors? Well, guess what? We had uh, Trump met with uh, Emir of Qatar, Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani, on May 21st in Saudi Arabia. Okay, that's a picture from then. I'm sorry. This week, let's see here. So why are the Jewish leaders silent in the face of Trump's administration's announced plan to sell $300 million in advanced rocket technology to the government of Qatar? The Emirate of Qatar, Tamim bin Hamad al-Thani, claimed at his White House meeting on April 10th that he doesn't help terrorists. Okay, we'll skip past that. And according to the Jerusalem Post, Qatar has pledged more than a billion dollars to Hamas. Okay, we know all this already. All right, to paraphrase and get past this, basically, once again, a big arms deal has been signed with Qatar this week in the United States. That's the gist of this article, a raw deal U.S. weapons for terror sponsors. This whole thing is still, the Qatar situation is still extremely hostile. It's not going to stop being that way. All right, cited reference earlier when I couldn't remember which one it was, that's Al Monitor. Go out and find this article in El Monitor. At 70, Israel sits atop a volcano. Breaking it down here, folks, and even bringing in tandem that Iran pretty much warned Israel, hey, by the way, we got our fingers above the missile button. We have everything of yours in range of our missiles as we speak. What this article is going into and detailing is things that we've been talking about for quite some time over these last few weeks. We have Hezbollah with Lebanon. We have Iran and the Shiite Crescent, as they call it. Obviously, things going on with Assad's forces, never mind the fact of what's going on with Russia gaining a very predominant role in the Middle East. All of these factors coming in 
from the northern borders of Israel. Obviously, we have different things happening between the Gaza Strip. We have a lot of outbreaks that are happening around the West Bank. Not to even mention, and Matthew had brought up just for a moment, Temple Mount. Oh, folks, oh, folks, oh, folks. One of the um, subscriptions I have through my news feed is, um, it has to do with Palestinian media watch. And, oh, boy, you, you ought to catch one of the articles concerning what they're stating about what has been said by the various settler groups concerning the um, Temple Mount, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, about blowing it up so they can rebuild the temple and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah, I'd look into that because, ooh, yeah, it's, it's ugly. Finishing with this article, then we go into the Sinai situation. Great big article on top of it comes out today that goes in tandem with the fact that Trump stated that we're pulling out of Syria, but we want all the Arab nations that last year we armed to the teeth with billions of dollars in weapons deals. We want you guys to go in and fight in Syria. Well, that's not that classic, considering that almost all of those nations, um, at least a vast majority of them, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, um, who else in this mix? Oh, there's a few more have already been funding the groups that are fighting against Assad in Syria. But, of course, they're going to send them on the ground. Oh, yes, this is going to make this far worse. But Egypt is on the fence because they've already got more than enough problems in the Sinai Peninsula where Islamic State is completely out of control. I've stated this before. More articles as well coming about out about things that are happening with Islamic State of Khorasan that's between that Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iranian border. No, ISIS is not done with, even though, of course, the Western media here in the United States is trying to portray that it is. That is a complete and absolute fabrication. Well, Netanyahu's quest to limit high court's authority stifle democracy. Well, he's trying to basically shut down their version of the Supreme Court and anything that his uh, Likud governing body says will go. I'll monitor again. Look into it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, folks, we've spoken about Yehuda Glick in the past. And his ties with the... um, Temple Movement, he was involved with the sacrifices that happened there at the foot of the Temple Mount uh, right on previous to Passover. Well, catch this article out of the Jerusalem Post. Israel renegotiates ties with Austria over party with Nazi roots. Time's sake, I don't have time to read the article But here, we'll point out what it says under the picture, because it says more than enough. New Austrian Vice Chancellor Heinz Christian Strzok and M.K. Yehuda Glick. To break this down, folks, Yehuda Glick is in there hanging out with and talking to the Nazis that are um, part of the Austrian governing body. Remember, everyone, I told you, World War I... World War II, oh, it's all connected to the beginning of both wars. I mean, everybody, have you forgotten that Hitler was from Austria-Hungary? Yes, this is highly concerning, and we have pointed out Yehuda Glick for quite some time with the um, moves that are being taken by him and the Temple Institute that is trying to provoke 
all of the Muslim world with the things they've been doing at the Temple Mount and breaking into it, sacrifices all around there, all kinds of stuff. Trouble brews as militants amass on Turkey's border from Al Monitor. Let's put it this way. A vast majority of the rebels are being pushed into Idib and around areas with Turkey. Turkey is trying to bring them into their new militia they are forming after Operation Euphrates Shield. This includes Jayesh al-Islam, Army of Islam, like I brought up before, who is also funded by Turkey. And it's unknown on top of it that they've gathered prisoners in Duma there, put them in cages, We can go with this for days. Point is, read this article. This explains some heavy-duty details going on in Syria right up by the Turkish border. And look, when Erdogan is deciding he's going to play with fire and try to bring all these groups into a military body on him, I don't know. Ah, resurgence of the Ottoman Empire? I guess maybe that might be a detail. Al Monitor, again, I brought this up. U.S. efforts... Hinges on unreliable Egypt. Oh boy, and here's a new one that came out of Israel National News that is rather disturbing. Is the State Department preventing exposure of the PA, the Palestinian UNRWA textbook content? And he ends this with he ends this with uh, what is the U.S. State Department trying to hide and why? Yeah, go find this article again. This is out of Israel. National news is the U.S. State Department preventing exposure of the Palestinian, it says P-A-U-N-R-W-A textbook content. This is disturbing, folks. The State Department has decided to classify what they have looked into concerning this textbook. Something ain't right. Oh, that's right, though, but I forgot about that. Isn't this administration, aren't they all pro-Israel? Oh, oh. Learn your history, everybody. Everybody, you realize that the first Simon Ben-Gurion, when Eisenhower came into office, he left for that time frame because the right wing got the reins of the government in the United States? Oh, I bet you people didn't realize that. Huh. Uh, might just be me. I don't know. Had another little uh, interesting one here. Chemical substance of hexamine found in Duma Laboratory. Once again, the rebel-held area. What did they find? Oh, yes, it's a uh, chemical associated with the manufacture of sarin. I brought this up before. Syrian Kurds, we captured terrorists who planned 9-11 attacks out of Israel National News. There's about a billion different articles out there on this. He was tied in with the original group that planned the attacks at the mosque in Munich. He is of German national, a Syrian-born German national. I gave you history on it as well. Look into a mosque in Munich. The great Russian oil game in Iraqi Kurdistan was released on the 19th. This is out of Reuters. Once again, find this article, breaking it down real simply in the midst of what happened there in Kirkuk after the September 25th uh, referendum for independence. Russia was in the background signing an oil deal with those on the ground 
with the Kurdistan regional government. And guess what? While they're being kicked out of there, that deal was still signed in. It's a pretty uh, eye-opening article, even though I warned this was happening prior to the September 25th referendum. This was an article I brought up last night, just to read the title for this so everybody can find this. The New York Times by Ron Nixon. This was written in April 14th of 2011. U.S. finance groups had supporting role in the Arab uprisings. What is this referring to? Once again, when did the Arab Spring happen? 2011. This is talking about the NGO organizations. Another article I referenced last night, Arms Airlift to Syrian Rebels Expands with CIA Aid. This, once again, is from the New York Times. It's by C.J. Chivers, March 24th of 2013. As I've stated before, this stuff has been documented. It's not make-believe. Article out of Al Monitor, Netanyahu's Delusions on Saudi Arabia. Well, what does that boil down to? I'm not even going to comment. Wrote two pieces here, folks. I would advise taking a look at these. I wrote a piece, Look to Jezreel, over on my website, over at attentionshow.com. And I wrote another one detailing the real beginnings of the infamous axis of evil speeches, or as I titled, the axis of evil and beyond. This began... Let me read this first paragraph here real quick. A decade before the 2002 State of the Union addressed in August of 1992, three years after the Soviet Union fell, everybody. The political scientist Yusef Bodansky wrote a paper entitled Tehran, Baghdad, and Damascus, the New Axis Pact, while serving as a director of the Congressional Tax Force on Terrorism and Unconventional Warfare of the U.S., House of Representatives, although he did not explicitly apply the epithet evil to his new axis, Brodensky's axis was otherwise very reminiscent of Fromm's axis. Bodansky felt that this new axis was a very dangerous development. The gist of Bodansky's argument was that Iran, Iraq, and Syria has formed a tripartite alliance in the wake of the first Gulf War, and this alliance posed an imminent threat that could only be dealt with by invading Iraq a second time and overthrowing Saddam Hussein. Now, folks, everybody remember the very day that Washington began to deal with what happened during those chemical attacks was the very same day that John Bolton started his uh, first day at work as the uh, new position he was put in. This is from 2002 from John Bolton's work called Beyond the Axis of Evil. The United States also knows that Syria has a long chemical weapon warfare program and it has a stockpile of the nerve agent sarin and is engaged in research and development. The more toxins. Okay, this continues on and on. The three paragraphs I pull out in this top part are all related to Syria. Back in 2002, John Bolton was trying to get the Syrian regime dealt with day he comes back into office, the same day that, lo and behold, guess what? I don't know. Is this coincidence? It's awfully odd. Just the timing of it is a little peculiar. Is this false flag? Is this that? I don't know, folks. I don't know. At this point, I'm waiting for all the evidence to be set on the table, and then we can draw our conclusions. That said, I'm getting done here with my uh, 
what would I call this tonight? Is this a tantrum or my my points or the news? I'm not certain. Irregardless of that, handing it back over to you guys. All right. Well, um, I had some things that uh, I needed to cover. I've uh, done four minutes here, but I need to get some things mentioned, so I'm going to have to condense. Um, let's see, real quick. Okay, uh, Sister Mine sent me this uh, this week. Um, the days of Noah, genetically modified Nephilim soldiers fighting in Syria. Just so you all know, um, I covered today. Uh, that's actually fake news, no matter where you got it from. I'll read the two verses in question here, just so you know. I already read it once this once tonight, but although the fig tree shall not blossom. Okay. Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. Now, fail, there's a very good word. It also, well, deny. And the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. This is just a rewording. Okay. It is just another way uh, that God said this. He said, and whereas thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay, they shall not mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. There is no such thing as Nephilim, okay? God just told you, beyond any shadow of a doubt, due to chromosomal cohesion, okay, please look that up, chromosomal cohesion, Their seed shall not take root in men, so no Nephilim. Now, chimeras doesn't say anything about it. I'm not going to address that because there's no need to. I'm just telling you what God said about what he did say. He said that uh, in the end times there will be absolutely no Nephilim because the seed won't cleave. There will be no chromosomal cohesion. It will kind of like be taking the seed of a frog and putting it in a cat. It won't work. You understand? Okay. All right. So, anyway, moving on. Um, also, I had a very important question. I'm running out of time. Uh, everybody ask. Uh, I had three different messages uh, here. I shouldn't be Facebooking uh, while I'm on air, but anyway, ask me about that very important word uh, that I mentioned uh, there in Ezekiel, uh, where it talks about, uh, you know, uh, the watcher and it's supposed to be knees but it's kind of spelled kind of funny and that kind of don't make sense um, they asked me where particularly is that word uh, in uh, the New Testament and just so you know uh, I mentioned that it's supposed to be uh, 1980 uh, but that is a alright it's only twice in the New Testament Hebrew both in one chapter of John chapter 10, so I'll just read them as quick as I can. Uh, so uh, that's why Jesus was talking about this stuff. But verse 5, he says, And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And in verse 27 of that self same chapter, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. So that's probably prophetically pretty important. Um, 
Oh my goodness, I think I'm down to two minutes. Uh, <clears throat> let's see here. Um, I also uh, did some blog posts this week. You all might want to check them out. Um, tried to keep them all underneath 700 words. Uh, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all be raptured, but we shall all be changed. And uh, that was uh, six days ago. Uh, then we which are alive and remain shall not be raptured to heaven. That was uh, yesterday. And last night about 4 o'clock, I finished the Shakespearean origins of the rapture. So uh, please do check those out. Um, today I had a uh, conversation uh, with Michael Benoit over there on uh, Bullet Points. Uh, he has uh, switched up his... Uh, Broadcast he did over there, he has uh, reorganized them, sh uh, shortened them, uh, removed some of the sharper content uh, that he before uh, had before then. Uh, so look uh, for good stuff uh, from Michael Benoit. Uh, good stuff. Um, had a couple of messages about him over the course of several uh, weeks. Uh, yes. Uh, Michael and I are trying to adhere to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, surprisingly enough, Christians try to do that, but uh, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amazingly enough, that, that actually it seems to work, uh, even when I'm at fault. Uh, concerning that incident several years ago, um, DeBry, of course, stood up against me. Said I was clearly wrong in some of the way I lost my temper and well, um, believe it or not, the Lord's Prayer. You might want to try that every now and again. Uh, Clinton, jump on here, please, and uh, give out your uh, contact information and everything and say your goodbyes before we uh, get dropped off the air. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your support again. Uh, you can find me at my website, clintoncoach.com, or follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is just clintoncoach. Or uh, listen to me on Podbeam um, under the, the Diligent Watchman. Thank you again, and may God guide you on your journey. Okay.